Hello everyone, my name is Andrew Montlake, but you can call me Monty, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the next episode of Pathfinder. The Pathfinder podcast is about the journeys we take in business and in our life. It's about the fact that the destination is not the be-all and end-all, it's the path we take along the way that is a real journey. It's this that defines us and makes us who we are today. I've always loved talking to people, and in doing so over the years, and especially so recently, have found that many have remarkable stories to tell. Stories that we can all learn from and relate to, that will make you look differently at that person when you learn about their real journey, rather than the one we all assume. So I'm setting out to meet real people who have inspired me, both within the mortgage, property and finance industry, as well as outside it, to hear their stories and learn from the paths they have taken. The successes and failures have led them to become who they are today. We all have a story to tell, and perhaps their story will resonate with yours and make you realise that you are never alone. We are all pathfinders finding our way in the world. Today we are doing something a little different and talking to not one, but two young women who have found their way into the financial services industry and are working for the Association of Mortgage Intermediates. They've come here through very different paths and are really interested in showing how welcoming the financial services community can actually be for young women and changing the culture of the industry from within. Stacey Penn and Rachel Edwards are senior policy advisors at Amy, dealing with a whole host of challenges and helping to shape the whole industry, battling on behalf of mortgage brokers with regulators, government and other bodies. They are passionate about the industry, diversity, inclusivity, equity, the green agenda and much more besides. This is the Pathfinder podcast. May the path you take be the right one for you. Stacey and Rachel, welcome. Hi Monty, thanks for having us. It's very good to have you here on my nice little, uh, on my sofa. Yeah, nice (laughs) setup. In this nice little room. It is a nice setup, isn't it? Uh, It's not my setup. It's far too professional. (laughs) So, very glad that you could both be here today. And you can just relax. This is just a chat amongst friends. (laughs) And I think what will be quite interesting is to see how both of you have come from where you've come from, what your backgrounds have been like, and how you found yourself in this wonderful, strange world of of mortgages and financial services, and maybe help to inspire some others to to think, actually, that's that's quite a good industry to be in. But first of all, I always start with, how are you? Stacey, how are you? How are things going? Yeah, good, thank you. Just come back from a two-week holiday. Oh, blimey, uh, that's all right then. Yeah, so back yeah. into the swing of things. Um, we're busy as always. Yeah. Keeping abreast of what's going on in the regulatory yeah. world and lots going on, as you know, with consumer duty and uh, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Good. Well, you'll be pleased to know we're not going to have an in-depth analysis of, uh, of consumer duty today. No, not today. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, what about you? Yeah, everything's going really yeah. well at the moment. Um it's still proving to be quite interesting, having only joined Amy in January. Yeah. Um, but really enjoying it. And uh, recently got engaged, so I'm telling oh, absolutely everybody about that. congratulations. Yeah, really. I was going to say, you kept that quiet. Really, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think everybody in my life would disagree, um, because I've just been sort of like plastering my hand in people's faces have randomly you? to be like, Well, it's a big thing. You know? yeah. You've got to make the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. You do have yeah. to make the most of it. It's very good. Yeah, I remember that time when, you know, you were young, newly engaged. Yeah, I won't say it all changes. (laughs) 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 After years of marriage. (laughs) Anyway, um, so what will be interesting is to to find out what's your, your, before we go back to your childhood, what's a typical day for you, for you ladies now? Rachel, what's a... What's a typical day entail for, for you? I, I feel like a, a typical day is varied, but it does follow like a set routine. Like I'm really thankful that we get to work from home. Uh, yeah. So I like mosey on up out of bed <laughs> two minutes before I'm supposed to start work, feed the cat, feed the dog. Um, 
a lot of my time at the moment is spent um, trying to sort of get up to speed on everything in the in the mortgage industry that I might not know mm. very much about. Um, so at the moment I'm trying to delve into um, SMCR and a lot, I spend a lot of t- my time doing the diversity and inclusion. So yeah. it's a lot of responding to people. We're due to be launching the mentoring scheme very shortly, which yeah, I talk exciting. about a lot. I'm very excited <laughs> for that. So it's a lot of like just sort of corralling people um, and I know inserting myself into conversations so I can talk about the mentoring scheme. Um, <laughs> well, we'll talk a bit yeah, about that a bit later because that's quite interesting. Positive that everybody that I've spoken to in the last three months has been really <laughs> thrilled with uh, my introduction of "Hello, I'm Rachel. Have you heard about our mentoring scheme?" <laughs> um, so it's it's a lot of doing that, and I think just a lot of attending meetings so that I can get up to speed on what everybody else is doing. Like Chloe's doing mm. absolute fantastic work with green mortgages. So I, I try and keep a, as up to date as I can with that in case she ever needs like any help or assistance or a, just to support her and mm. have conversations about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm slowly getting myself up to date with consumer duty. So again, I can just sort of participate in the conversations without the, like a really blank look on my face. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it's, it's going well, uh, hopefully so Good. far. No complaints. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Well, I haven't heard any complaints, so yeah. yeah you're, still you're employed, okay. so it's going great. <laughs> and so, so, same as you, same for you, is it? Yeah, I'd say it's slightly different because I've been at Amy now since 2019. Yeah. So, part I've, of the furniture now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I'd say my day to day, a lot of it is reading and writing, mm. which thankfully I enjoy because you do have yeah. to love well, that, that part. Well, that would help, yeah. Yeah, and I promise I won't mention it too much more but obviously consumer duty has been a big part yeah. of my role and is at the moment um just engaging with firms we've got working groups i'm involved with other trade body groups as well mm. so that's a lot of my time at the moment is dealing with that yeah um just really providing support and, and guidance because it is there's a lot to it yeah and um so reading and writing obviously you're, you're looking at complex documents i mean mm. i'm not gonna lie I'm really pleased that you enjoy doing that because yeah. I look at complex documents and all some of the technical stuff and I just glaze over. I know yeah. I shouldn't say that. But anyway, I do. <laughs> and actually what you you girls do amazingly is make sense of it all and put it into 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 an English that I can understand and that's really good. Have you always have you always been that way inclined even when you were when you were younger? Were you, were you like uh, what was young Stacy like? Uh, well, she loved school. Yeah. She loved English. She loved spelling and, and all of that. So I feel <laughs> yeah. like this was the natural <laughs> fit for me. Um, so I'd say very academic ever since I was younger. Mm. Like school reports would always be like, oh, she's very conscientious yeah. and and that. Yeah, so not like mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's always been, I'd say, kind of in my blood that passion yeah. for reading and writing like I do English literature at A level mm. um did Spanish at A level as well so it's kind of always been about language okay that's interesting I never yeah. knew that yeah so really enjoy that aspect mm. you do have to like that attention to detail yeah. in, in the role um Robert always describes it you kind of have to be an eagle soar above yeah. to look at the overview of everything but then you need to kind of hone in and the detail when needed yeah i think that's a really good description yeah that is a really good description and what about you rachel what was uh, were you were you also i'm going to say goody goody or were yes. you a bit more like me and a bit more of a absolute teacher's pet like if if I found out when the teacher's birthdays were, they were getting a handmade card from me. <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't I, go that far. I was really? the worst person at school. Yeah, I was an oh, absolute no. nerd. And um, I think, like Stacey, just really quite academic, um, but I focused on history. I love boring people to tears with interesting facts. Like, I think they're interesting. Like, let me tell you all about the English Civil War and these fun facts that I learned. Um, so I would regale my parents constantly yeah. with, like, what I thought were interesting tidbits that I picked yeah. up. And I just feel like I've just continued that through all of my jobs. Like, oh, I learned this really mm. obscure thing. I'm just going to tell everybody about it. So I feel like this job really works for me. Like, I feel like everything that I read, you know, in like when I was doing my studies and it was like historical documents and things like that. For me, it was always like interesting gossip that I then needed to go and tell everybody else. Um, which I don't know that they fully appreciated. <laughs> yeah, that's but an interesting way of looking at it. That is <laughs> yeah. interesting, yeah. But it's, it's funny because the passion from both of you for that really comes across. 
which is very different. It's a, it's a different type of passion for some of the other people I've spoken to. Mm. And, and I'm interested, so when you were at school, and Rachel, you mentioned nerdy. I don't like to say it was, it was nerdy, of course. But was that, did, that, did that mean there were some difficulties at school? Were there, were, there, were you, because I know some of the, the more intelligent people in our school were picked on quite a lot. And there was a bit of bullying, and, and there was that kind of stuff. Did did either of you find find that at school, or, or were school years quite easy? Yeah, thankfully for me, I never experienced any of that. Yeah. Um, I think particularly at sixth form, I was always in that group that was kind of the in between. We mm. weren't kind of the cool kids. We weren't the real, like you say, you don't really like to use the word nerds, no, but we were yeah. kind of somewhere the in kids. the middle. Yeah. Um, so. Luckily, I've never experienced that um, and I've never let that get in my way because mm. people did refer to you like as, yeah, the nerd or the boffin. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it kind of just spurred me on, really. Yeah. But That's I know good. some people have probably experienced bullying, which is yeah is tragic. But for me, luckily, no. Yeah. Oh, what about yourself? I think I took Stacey's shirt. My, <laughs> my schooling oh, no. was... Uh, Interesting. I think th there's always as going to I be asked that question, I saw your face and I thought there's a bit of a story there. Um, interesting story. My first school had a pond uh, where we would have like frog spawn and things like that, right. for, like a little science. They filled it in because I got pushed in so many times. Oh, no. They got oh, rid of no, the pond really? completely. Yeah, really. And I ended up having to go to a secondary school that was outside of my catchment area because yeah. the bullying was so bad. Mm. They were like, "Let's just start you off with a completely yeah. new slate where nobody knows you." Yeah. And two weeks into secondary school, they gave me a star pupil award in front of the entire school and oh, ruined my clean slate. Oh. Yeah. So I just thought. thought I'll lean into it. I'll just become best friends with all of the teachers because, mm. like, I don't know, they like me anyway. And mm. then I get extra access to, like, books and stuff. Like, I had a separate library card that nobody else in my school yeah. had. So I could get into the library whenever I wanted. So I was just yeah. like, You turned yeah. it into a positive. Yeah, yeah like, yeah. if you're going to bully me, I mean, I was ginger at school as well, so I had, like, no chance. Even if I hadn't <laughs> have been a giant teacher's pet, I yeah. had no chance of being popular. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of lent into it, and I was like, how can I make this work for me? And... Uh, I really did. Uh, one of the other things, I was absolutely terrible, there's nothing they can do about it now. Um, I actually really forgot about one of my uh, GCSE assignments and I managed to convince the teacher I'd handed it in and we'd had a conversation and she'd marked it really well and she was like, yes, yeah, completely, completely <laughs> remember that. It was an excellent piece that of work. That is genius. Because I'd, I'd put in the work over like years and years of being yeah. at school that I'd never missed anything, I'd never had any detentions, I'd always handed in my work on time. <laughs> so the one time I forgot something, I was like, no, miss, of course I've handed it in. You, you, you've Brilliant. spoken to me about <laughs> it and it was great. And she was that like, yeah. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, it was I worthwhile, I think. Yeah, it's worthwhile. That's a great story about the pond. That's that that's brilliant, and how you can how you can overcome those things and turn them into positives. That's a really good that's a really good strong message. I had my own fear of uh, of stuff at school for various reasons, which I won't go into. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard. It took me a long time. I'm probably still struggling with some of it now in terms of trying to turn all that negativity into positives and. Mm. Um, and that, that's really interesting because the moment we met you, you've always, well, you both have, but you, you come across really positively as a very positive person with a positive outlook. Mm. So that's uh, The, the that's thing for me that I struggled more with was as a teenager, I had glasses, braces and acne. Right, okay. So whilst I didn't have that experience of kind of bullying, yeah. you do have that to kind of contend with and tackle yeah. and no, I'm not the only one that's gone through all of yeah. that but that's your classic that, teenage angst isn't it yeah yeah and that's a lot to deal with when you're like 15 16 going through yeah. GCSEs and all of that pressure yeah. I do I did tell my daughter the other day what's it and it's actually something my son had said he'd said and this was really perceptive so he's just turning 15 he had told his friend and his friend was having a few problems with some bullies and he just said, just remember, you're going to be their boss in a few years' time. <laughs> Love it. And I thought that was a really interesting way of looking at it. Mm. Um, but anyway, so what did you want to be when you grew up? What, what, was it, what were your first thoughts about where, where you wanted to go? 
my memories are of being at home as a child wanting to be a teacher i'd recreate like right, the school okay. environment kind of at home i'd create my own register my lesson plans <laughs> this is brilliant <laughs> and i'd sit there I and i'd really deliver that. the lessons <laughs> yeah um i don't really know where that aspiration went um mm. i don't know whether i'd spoken to some people who were teachers and maybe they'd put me off and then i started as I was getting older towards like GCSEs, I thought, oh, I really want to be a journalist because I like mm. the writing and, 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 and that side. Then, then that dream kind of died. I think it was just because <laughs> I realised it's quite a competitive industry. Yeah. Um, and, and then I kind of floated and didn't really know what I wanted to mm. do. Um, I just ended up falling into university. Yeah. That, that's what the mm. school kind of said. Well, look, you're academic, hopefully going to get good grades. That's what we want you to do. Um, but when I ended up going to, to uni, I actually did it for four months and decided it wasn't for me, mm. which was a complete shock to, to me personally. Mm. That's interesting. Because I'd always had that vision, that's what I was going to yeah. do. And I got there and I just felt quite disillusioned by it. And really? just something inside me just didn't feel yeah. right. Have you ever put your finger on what that was? No, and it's something I've kind of battled and grappled with over the years since leaving uni because i remember sitting there with the yeah. tutor saying i want to leave so you did leave yeah early okay yeah yeah i left after four months um right. okay and i remember the tutor saying to me you sure you want to leave like what have you got lined up mm. and i was like i don't really know and it was the last year before the tuition fees were due to go up as well mm. so i had all of that in my mind but something inside me was just this isn't for me and it's only recently that i feel like i've come to terms with that decision mm. because for years particularly with friends going to uni most of them did I was doubting myself like have mm. I done the right thing have I given up opportunities but it's only now where I'm a bit older and I look back mm. and I think it's worked out you're happy and you enjoy what you do yeah it's exactly. not the be that's it's not the be all and end all yeah. to go to uni yeah um, and that's another important message isn't it because a lot of people put themselves under so much pressure mm. and sometimes it isn't it isn't for them and making that decision look Stephen Bartlett they listened to his Diary of the CEO podcast he dropped out didn't he because yeah. it, it wasn't for him and, and look at him he's done alright and uh, so so there is that message that actually it's, it's important to do things that feel right for you and things do have a habit of turning out yeah and I tell you what's really helped is speaking to people within the mortgage industry where I've been chatting to them at events, at the Amy dinner, for example, and I find out that they haven't gone to uni. Yeah, that's right. And you actually mm. think, because in my head I just thought, by default, you must have gone, you've got mm. into this position. So I think one thing that people could do more of is actually talking about their, well, this the podcast is a yeah. brilliant um, way to do that, talk about their journey and their experiences, because yeah. you don't know who that might kind of inspire. Yeah. Yeah, we'll come back to yeah. that. That's, that's a good point. Rachel, what about you? I wanted to be an archaeologist. Oh, did um, you? Yeah, for a very, very long time. And that's why I did history at university. And then I started talking to people who were archaeologists. And really, honestly, late in the game, found out that they spend 90% of their time in classrooms teaching mm. people about archaeology instead of doing the stuff. And I just wanted to be in a field yeah. digging up walls like on Time Team. <laughs> um, so really disappointed with that, to be honest. <laughs> and yeah, kind of honestly shattered my, my worldview. I was really disappointed. Um, and then I was sort of sat there in my like final year of university thinking, what do I actually want to do then? Like, what mm. did I ever want to do? Mm. And I just wanted to do something that I felt made a difference. Like, if I'd have found something as an archaeologist that nobody had ever seen before for thousands of years, yeah, it I get that. feels like I'd have made a difference. Yeah. yeah. And then I just sort of spent a lot of time um, thinking about it, not actually doing anything. So out of university, I ended up working in a betting shop, which was an interesting place to work you meet a lot of varied where, people where was that where where about what part of the world uh in nottingham nottingham okay yeah and uh i think to be honest that betting shop set me on the on the path to financial services because they're so closely linked it's heavily regulated yeah it's very 
I think, strict in terms of the environment of what you can do, what you can't do. And a lot of the interactions you're having to have with people are very delicate. You know, yeah. when I, I can imagine yeah. you know, mortgage brokers gotcha. that are having to have yeah. conversations with people about their finances and it's, it can be really tricky sometimes. Mm. And having conversations with people about responsible gambling is also very tricky sometimes. So I genuinely think I learned all of the transferable skills I needed for financial services in that betting shop. That's brilliant. Um, but what actually made the shift for me was sitting there evenings and weekends and bank holidays staring at this building society across the road as their staff were leaving <laughs> at five thinking god i'd love to do that um because i was there until 10 o'clock at night and uh, eventually they had a vacancy and i applied yeah. and then it was uh, and where was that what what building society was that that was mansfield building society right, okay and then i bounced around i've since collected the uh, nottingham building societies and melton building societies yeah. like infinity stones um <laughs> <laughs> so I really, really bounced around and I ended up at credit unions for a bit because I really enjoyed like the ethos and the, the sort of morals of a credit unions. You know, it's ethical lending and you really can feel like you can do a lot of excellent work yeah. in, in credit unions. You know, a lot of their, their stuff's about like financial inclusion and education and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I did find you're a little bit stunted, like the, the funding for the cr credit unions is so limited mm. and, you know, and it... On the one hand, it's absolutely fantastic, but you tend to find people in senior positions stay there until they retire, which is great, mm. unless you want to get into that position and then you're having to wait 20, 30 years for somebody to go. And mm. because a lot of credit unions are community-based, they take up an area. So Nottingham and Lincoln is one entire credit union. So if I couldn't become senior manager in that one, I would have to travel to Leicester or Sheffield. Right, um, okay. So it just, you know, the, the opportunities to advance are <laughs> few and far between. So I kind of had to widen my circles to like, okay, how can I do something where I can make a difference? It's ethical, um, but I still really enjoy what I'm doing mm -hmm. and uh, stumbled into Amy, which has ticked all of the boxes. So that's been really yeah. great. Really enjoyed that. That's a, um, that's a great little journey that. What about yourself, Stacey? What, what, was that, what was that move into financial services for you? Yeah, so actually came about after leaving uni when I didn't have a clue what I was going yeah. to do. I went and worked back at the local supermarket where I'd worked during my A-levels and it was my mum that had actually found an advert in the paper for an apprenticeship at an insurance broker firm in Bedford, which is the area I'm from. And I had no clue about that world. Um, but interestingly, it linked in the job advert to this campaign that was run by the CII at the time mm. called Discover Risk. And it was a website that was engaging. It talked about the different kind of roles and what yeah. is available in the insurance space. And I looked at that and I thought, hang on a second, there's a lot of opportunity here. Seems quite exciting. So I applied for the role, um, was lucky to get it and spent a bit of time working in their London office, rotating around different divisions and then eventually ended up in their high net worth division. And then after that, I worked for another broker for a bit, but then after I'd done my exams um, in insurance, I realized that I still did enjoy that reading and writing aspect that mm. I'd always had mm. inside of me ever since I was younger. And it took me a while to work out how can I use these skills and is there a job out there that I can kind of combine both, like the mm. financial services aspect and this reading and writing. And that's when uh, the role came up at Amy and yeah, it's, it's kind of ticked every box mm. and enabled me to combine both worlds, which I never thought was possible. Yeah. So it's interesting how you both, you know, you're working at the same, you both come from very different mm. areas and backgrounds and journeys and, and et cetera. Have you ever felt that, obviously, there are a lot of young women who look at uh, financial services, uh, as you mentioned, there are a lot of people generally look at FS and think, oh, you've got to be this, you've got to be that, you've got to have a degree, when actually, especially in the mortgage industry, you couldn't be further from the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, for full disclosure, I got an unclassified in my uh, A-level maths. Let me just make that very <laughs> clear. In fact, my A-level maths, I drew a picture. But uh, I think that was more to me being quite a naughty student than actually anything else but um but yeah so you, so you don't actually need those those types of no definitely of things but 
have you ever felt that as a as a female that it has been unwelcoming or or difficult or in 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 that way um i'd say i did experience in my old role when i was working at, as an insurance broker um some things like i'd answer the phone and a client would say oh i want to speak to your colleague can i pass on details as his pa just right, little things yeah. like that an assumption that you yeah you yeah. must be the PA. and i remember yeah. that when i was dealing with a book of clients back then um there was one male customer who said he didn't want to deal with me and he didn't say it straight out but i could yeah, tell it was because knew. of my yeah. age he, right i think um and also i think because of my gender um so kind of little things like that um i did experience in that role um i'd say the the mortgage sector is very welcoming and, and opening um and the work that we're doing kind of in the the dni space i think is brilliant mm. and re and really kind of trailblazing the way for for how things mm. should be done what about yourself rachel i think i've i've definitely had conversations where i think i'm getting like a an unusual vibe from this person <laughs> I, d I don't Sorry know if they that. like. <laughs> is, that, is that you and me now? <laughs> Sorry. Now, you know, sometimes you can just have a conversation, like Stacey says, it's not necessarily like completely outright. Mm. You're, you're getting a sense that they're being slightly more difficult with yeah. you than with somebody that maybe looks a little bit different. Mm. But I think I've really looked out in a lot of the jobs that I've had in financial services. I have had, you know, a lot of female managers mm. and the sort of adjacent departments have had female managers. So I think I've really, really benefited from that and like I've never had to, you know, kind of prove that I'm worthwhile more than anybody else I would think mm. have to because, you know, a lot of the people around me have been female. Um, I would say in, in some situations, it's more the general public. Like when I was working at the credit unions and, you know, you're dealing with a lot of members of the public. And at one point I was like the, the main loans officer and, you know, I can completely understand, you know, for some people, it's really uncomfortable to be looking at this, you know, person in their mid twenties, declining you for a loan because of your financial position. Mm. And so I, I got a lot of sort of comments of like, yeah, who are you to that. be talking to me about my financial situation? I mm. kind of have to be like, well, I'm the only person here mm. and uh, qualified to do so. Um, so that, that, yeah, it's more, more, I think so with the members of the general public mm. than I have experience with coworkers, mm. thankfully. Um, but I do appreciate that, you know, in conversations I've had with other people in the industry, I do think my experience is probably unusual in mm. that I've been relatively unscathed and I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, it's been mostly fine, I would go with. Good. Uh, mm. And you both think, I mean, obviously that part of the work that, that you're doing so well with, with Amy's on the diversity side of things, equity, inclusivity, and that's changing. And um, I think, although it is slow, there's there's still been actually you can you can look back on from where we were a couple of years ago, and I think there's been a marked change. Um, but that's easy for me to say sitting here as a as a white male. Have you have you really felt that that difference in the in the last couple of years and and all the work that that you guys are doing so well? Yeah, I think it's definitely given people a platform and a more inclusive and safe space to, to talk. And mm. I think that's really come through in terms of feedback from people that have been involved in our DNI groups. Um, and just also with events as well, um, like we've got the, the Women in Protection event was a couple of weeks ago. And that that's not just for women it was great i, I didn't attend myself because unfortunately i was on holiday but i know that men attended too yeah. which i think was <coughs> that's really important to have that kind of allyship mm. um, yeah, so i absolutely. think in that sense i've definitely noticed yeah. that and I, I think i've seen that allyship really increase amongst people who who weren't who were unsure about how to engage mm. and how to deal with it have you s seen that obviously you're very close to it rachel at the moment Definitely. I, I would say there's been such a shift um, across financial services in the last few years. I think 
not only in that there are just more people from such a diverse background in senior positions, mm. you know, and I, I don't think we're completely all of the way there. No. Um, no. But, you know, like if, if you were potentially talking to somebody that's new into the industry and they're like, oh, you know, I'd, I'd love to be connected with, um, you know, somebody that's in the LGBT space that's a senior manager you could find somebody relatively easily. You could find somebody to sort of pair them up with and, you know, get them to have a conversation with. So I do think like, you know, the, just the actual sort of metrics have definitely shifted in, in a positive way. Mm. Um, but like you say, like the, the visible allyship of, you know, I've, I've definitely witnessed in an office setting, somebody's made a comment and two or three people will turn around and go, that's not very appropriate. Why would you say that? Which I think like 10 years ago just mm. would not have happened. Yeah. You know, people would have just, taken the road of, oh, I'll just ignore it and yeah. I'm not part of the problem because I didn't say it. And I think there's been such a huge culture shift now of people are a lot more comfortable getting up in front of coworkers and saying, that's really inappropriate because of X, Y, and Z, don't do it again. Mm. And that's that's such a huge part of it, especially, you know, I think a lot of the conversations that we've had in the DNI space is it can be really tiring for people from minorities to constantly have to fight these battles yeah. that nobody else has to fight. And even if it's just one or two that you, somebody will fight for you, just on a minor thing yeah. in the office, it's so relieving, I think, for people. That's and a really nice point, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, if, if you're not having to have all of the conversations mm. all of the time and you can kind of leave it up to some of your coworkers that you trust and you can mm. just think, I haven't got the p capacity in my brain today, I just mm. want to come to work, crack on with things, and I don't want to have to have a conversation about gender or mm. race or sexuality knowing that you know if anything inappropriate is going to happen your co-workers are mm. supportive and behind you i think that's making a huge huge difference to people mm. um and i would say just as a, an addendum i think neurodiversity and physical disabilities is something that's really ramped up since the pandemic mm. because obviously working from home has been such an absolutely amazing accommodation for a lot of people with disabilities that have probably been asking for them for years to be told oh i can't possibly accommodate that yeah the pandemic has shown yes you can yeah and now they've got those accommodations and not having to give them back it's really opened a lot of people up to more jobs in financial services yeah. and i think across mm. so many other industries because now you think well I don't have to maybe put myself off from applying for that job because I wouldn't yeah. be able to travel or, you know, stuff like that. When now we know these accommodations can be given and they're not very difficult, I really think we're opening up to a huge, yeah. talented pool of people that we may have overlooked yeah. previously. Mm. And I think that's a massive message. I mean, when I look back, you know, betting shop in Nottingham, and, um, you know, that Esther interviewed before a small rural village in the Netherlands. Uh, Richard I interviewed before a council estate in South End and everyone it, it feels like there's a place for everyone in in this this industry and not just at, not just at a lower level now but actually people are getting recognized and moving up and and actually getting into positions of of power yeah which is, it's which really is, inspiring which see. is really interesting mm. And I guess that was a point of sort of doing a lot of this podcast and actually just talking to people about about actually your your background and your experiences don't have to be an obstacle to to getting somewhere, not just in this industry, but hopefully in, in any industry. Mm. So what message would you give to people who maybe maybe they're in your position, Stacey, and they've you know, they're thinking Oh shit! I've had I've had it with university. Actually, I'm going to drop off. I'm going to drop out, or I don't know what to do. Where could I go? Or you know, young females coming in from from up north, looking into into this industry. What what sort of messages would you would you give them? I'd say just look at as much help and support as you can, because there is a lot out there, and people are so willing to talk and help and. They want to see you grow and they want to see you successful. Um, so don't just kind of feel like you're put in a box and that you've got to go on this path because that's what you always thought you had to do or mm. your parents perhaps maybe mm. always wanted you to do X, Y, Z and, and be this. Um, that just just go out there and, and explore what, what there is because a lot of the time like me I didn't even know that this whole world existed in financial mm. services um, 
no one had ever talked to me about it as a career and the career service at school um I don't even know if I hope I hope they include it now as, as an option but it was I never saw it within kind of lists and when they they mm. start to talk about well you've got these skills you'd be good at good at this because it is like we've said already so many transferable skills mm. what about yourself Rachel um I think I would say there aren't as many barriers as you might assume that there are I think you know one of the the major ones that people tend to come up with is you know I couldn't work in financial services I'm terrible at maths mm. we don't do any maths I, do, <laughs> I don't know no. that many people in financial services actually have to do maths especially in this day and age you know we computers, do maths but we have yeah, but nobody's expecting <laughs> you to sit there and work out yeah, like exactly. interest rates with a pen and a piece of paper. <laughs> um, you know, and I've, I've no doubt there are some people in the industry that absolutely could do that, yeah. but it's not it's not a requirement. Um, and I just think you know the some of the, the you know the conversations around like education being a bit of a barrier. Um, I have a degree in history; it's almost completely useless. Mm. And and you know this is a conversation but I've had with a lot of fun facts. Oh, so <laughs> many fun facts. <laughs> But I, I would say, you know, to to people that are employers as well, you don't have to place as much stock in university degrees. I absolutely appreciate that, you know, it shows a level of I commitment, agree. but you're ruling out, you know, a lot of people like Stacey, you know, you just didn't sort of gel well with university. People that may not in a, be in a position financially to have gone to university, mm. that doesn't mean that they won't be absolutely brilliant. They could be an an absolute fantastic asset to your company you just need to give them a chance mm. it's not the be all and end all um especially if you're you know accepting people like me with history degrees you know it's really quite relevant well there's um, diversity in action right there well yeah <laughs> <laughs> very very diverse um yeah if you if you ever want to talk uh, english civil war facts with me just just hit me off i don't get to play uh, well these i'd love to days. but i'm just looking at the size <laughs> 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 Um, so what would you say, so, so both of you, uh, one of the other questions I ask a lot of people is, is around what motivates and drives them. So what would you say is your main motivating factor now? How do you, what gets you up in the morning? What excites you? I would say it's actually going back to some family struggles we had when I was younger with mm. money. Um, my dad's always been self-employed and he struggled with some mental health problems. Mm. And so money's always been this concept that it was quite difficult. Sometimes were it were tough, mm. um, but he always, he had that great work ethic. And I think that combination kind of spurs me on because mm. I see how hard he's worked and he always wanted to be able to provide for his children. Um, and I think that has, passed across to me mm. and that that kind of ambition I've always been quite ambitious mm. um so I say that's what continues to get me up in the morning mm. is is that kind of view and and that I've proved that things are possible if you put your mind to it um yeah mm. that's really interesting what about you Rachel feel like I'm just going to go full weird with this answer. Um, <laughs> I love the contrast between <laughs> oh, yeah. you two. Brilliant. Go on. So when I was younger, we were learning about um, the Egyptians and their concept of the afterlife is that you, when you die, everything that you've done is get, gets put on these scales and it's basically yeah. trying yeah, to yeah. see whether you were, on, on the whole, a good person or a bad yeah. person. And I decided very young that I was going to be a good person come a hell or high water. And so I think a lot of the stuff that has shaped who I am as a person is how many people can I aggressively help today? How many people can I improve their lives in some way, whether big or small? And I think this job has really sort of enabled me to get a huge reach of like little good points in my afterlife book of I can do something really positively yeah. and make some sort of, you know, slight industry change that is going to help people and i think that really is what drives me i feel like it sounds slightly selfish that i'm just trying to trying to balance the scales <laughs> in my favor um but i think it's, it's just one of those things you know i just want to to get to a point you know at the end of my career where i think i've helped so many people mm. and created lasting change and it was great i loved it the whole time so i think that's i love the link price. back to history i love that <laughs> it can't yeah, stop it's myself. Like this egyptian spirituality yeah. and history it, it never I really stops like that. we're gonna need a longer pod 
(laughs) (laughs) So, what is the best single piece of advice that you have had? Oh, it's a difficult one. Go on, Stacey. Um... I think, again, I, I link it back to my family because family, to me, is really, really important. Yeah. And my dad has always said, do what makes you happy. And I think that that mm. just that resonates through everything, through work and, and mm. wider life. Um, so that would be mine, very short, short and mm. simple. Um, That's good. Yeah, do what I makes like you that. happy. Rachel? I think... I'd go with you have to be your own biggest cheerleader. Mm. You can't expect anybody else in your life to be as interested and devoted to everything you do as much as you are. Like you have to be able to advocate for yourself and think, no, actually I'm great at what I do. I'm going to ask my boss for a raise or Mm. I'm great at what I do. I'd really love a promotion because I think I'm capable of doing that. Like you, and it it absolutely is really difficult, I think, to get into that mindset, Mm. but figuring out that you are fantastic and you deserve to be in the role that you're in and you deserve to succeed really is key to to helping drive you forward like you you have to be your own biggest cheerleader see that is brilliant because and both of those are brilliant because what's really interesting is when you talk to a lot of people they're not their biggest cheerleader they're the exact opposite they're their biggest critic and Mm. i know that's really true for me i'm just my biggest critic I yes think I it think is I'm hard. good in some things mm. but actually yeah, sometimes I just think oh, what have I done just a bit of a failure really but I know that sounds really weird but it's, it, it's a really interesting concept and that mental strength you need to be your own cheerleader and keep believing and keep going and, and you're right and actually I guess I do have that because I've only got um, places in in, in in work environments because I'm not afraid to knock on the door and ask. I'm not afraid to say, actually, do you know what? I've been working really hard. I've done this well. I want this. Or I deserve to to this, this, this and this. And a lot of people don't a lot of people don't have that. And that's that's something that's that is really important. Yeah, well something Rachel and I were talking about earlier was imposter syndrome. Which uh, yeah. Really I'm the very definition of that. Yeah, and I think it is a really hard thing to overcome. Mm. But that, again, is a topic that I think more people are talking about. There's been mm. a lot more uh, events. People yeah, are more openly yeah. talking about it. And that's really refreshing because when you hear that other people are going through that as well, you realise, oh, okay, it's not just me mm. being difficult. <laughs> it's at all levels as well. Like, you see some really senior people mm. admit that they've had, you know, issues with imposter syndrome. Yeah. And I, I genuinely I thought, like... I haven't met one senior person yet who hasn't yeah and it's it's such a surprise i think when you think oh what they're going through the the same things Mm. as me and and that to to be honest is quite weird because they're you know they're just people at the end of the day Mm. but i feel like sometimes you kind of look at these people especially like you know sort of like senior management level and think Mm. oh no they're all-knowing all-powerful people and they're they're just human at the end of the day they'll they'll have a lot of the same struggles they're just in a different job role yeah um, so yeah, I'd absolutely really say that it's it's difficult. Um, but one of the things I read years ago is that if you reiterate to yourself like positive messages repeatedly, eventually you can just like hijack your brain into believing them. Yeah. Um, so I'm just like attempting to be aggressively nice to myself, and eventually I'll just get to a point where I'm like, you know, actually I can do this. Yeah. And I think it's getting better in the like I'm putting myself out there for for things that make me incredibly nervous. And instead of backing out of them, I just get heartburn these days. So, you know, it's <laughs> getting much better. In a few years' time, I'll get to a point where I won't even have heartburn anymore. It's going to be great. <sighs> That's brilliant. Um, we fly, Time goes when you do these podcasts. And, and I know, we've, you know, we've done a, a fair amount of time already, probably 40, 45 minutes. I've got to give you three minutes on mentoring. Tell us about the mentor scheme why it's important and how people can help yes so uh amy and imlo are joint launching this mentoring scheme with the help of diff um so we just wanted to be able to give people a space where they could connect with potentially senior people in the mortgage industry and 
just kind of get a, a little bit of help, a little bit of career advice maybe. Um, and one of the things that I think is going to be absolutely fantastic about this mentoring scheme, which is free, I feel like I need to point out. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've not necessarily mentioned the fact Man, that it's completely free and that's, that's such a huge a selling point. point. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we're going to be doing is allowing people to match up with people that have shared life experiences. You know, so you're not going to necessarily get somebody that's had the exact same start as you but like you know if you were a young black woman that's coming into the industry and you really want to know like what obstacles am i likely to face and how can i talk to somebody that's already overcome them yeah. we can try and match you up with somebody that has that shared life experience or you know if if somebody is neurodivergent but they only found out you know later in life and they're they've recently overcome that and you're you know through that <coughs> process yourself we can try and match you up with somebody so that realistically the mentoring is a lot more bespoke than potentially other mentoring schemes have mm. been where you're just going to be paired up on the fact that you're in the same industry this is going to be somebody that's going to be able to provide tangible career benefits to you but in a way that is actually going to work for you you know they can provide different accommodations and different solutions and maybe just frame the conversation slightly differently as well so that it's going to be really helpful um I think for mentors, it's going to be invaluable because I think, you know, for a lot of people that have been in the industry a really long time, you can kind of get to a point where you're not seeing how things are working on the ground. Like you don't know how difficult it is to get into the industry. You don't know how mm. difficult it, it can be to, to get ahead in the industry. And I think that's going to be really helpful for mentors to get that up-to-date experience from somebody that's going through it at the time, which is why we've included sort of reverse mentoring, um, which is going to be so helpful, you know again allowing people to connect with people that are brand new into the industry and just being able to get an insight into a completely different experience that you may have mm. had um and i think some of the the feedback that we we've had from other mentoring schemes is you know that there's potential for a, a bit of a power imbalance but i think because you're not necessarily going to be mentored with somebody that's in your organization and you know you might be sort of 25 and new to the industry matched up with a ceo but he's not your ceo so talk to him however yeah, you exactly. like you know it's going yeah. to be fine but that's really important um, isn't it yeah. so yeah i think i think it's going to be good and it, hopefully it's going to be a really comfortable environment for for people to sort of have these really helpful conversations and i think it's going to be really enriching for, for everybody involved yeah. um so we're going to be launching that in the next couple of weeks we already have the link live for if you wanted to sign up to be a member um which you know you can contact me about i'm absolutely happy to send out that link but yeah the yeah. actual live will be going uh in the next couple of weeks and we'll be making a lot of okay. noise about it so it's very well, exciting I'll tell you what, in the show notes to this we will put the link and uh, and where people how people can get in touch because oh. I think that's really important. Um, I always ask this last question, and if you've listened to the others, you might be prepared. If you haven't, you've got to think quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Rachel, yes. if you could meet anyone in history, <laughs> this could be a long list. If you could meet any one person, who would it be, and what would you ask them? going to be another weird one um henry the eighth and <laughs> depending on how old he is i would ask him if he's had any hunting accidents because there's a really <laughs> there's a really interesting theory that henry the eighth had this complete personality shift due to a hunting accident in which he fell off his horse really? and then it was immediately after this alleged hunting accident where he decided to create the church of england and divorce his wife and really alter the entire course of history because he fell off a horse and I just want to know whether it happened or not. Like it's, it's such a huge mystery that I just, <laughs> I if there that. is some sort of afterlife in which I can find out that answer, I'll be so happy. I just need to know. <laughs> that's, that's not the answer I expected, but that's brilliant. Don't know how I can, can compete <laughs> no, with that no. answer. Um, I, I'd love to meet someone like Princess Diana, like say if she was alive now, mm and you've had all the crown, because I'm a big fan of a fan <laughs> yeah. of the crown, just to ask her in terms of her experience, her yeah. view, what was what was true, what wasn't, um, just because I think she'd be a fascinating person to speak to. Mm. Very interesting. So we've both gone with royals, you know, for the coronation. Yeah. We've yeah. Kept yeah. There you go. Yeah. Very topical. There's a coronation theme. Is there any question you wish I had asked you? Um, 
perhaps around what more the industry could do with apprenticeships because I'm very passionate having come into yeah. the the industry via that route um so I just, just encourage firms to like Rachel has already said just look at that as a as an option mm. um and I think there's lots of support out there and government grants and not not to dismiss it because I owe everything to that one apprenticeship and that yeah. if I hadn't done that I would not be sat here today so I'm really grateful that I was given that opportunity at a point in my life where I was kind of thinking, oh, have I screwed up? Have I made mm. a mistake? Yeah. Good. Anything from you? It's going to be a history like question. <laughs> no, I, I was just about to say, I feel like I've been really happy with all of the questions because I've got to talk about everything that I'm really, really interested <laughs> in. <laughs> I've waffled so much. It's been great. I've had a great time. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much. So, yeah, no, thank you. No, I think this, you. this is really interesting because I del deliberately, as I said to you before, I deliberately haven't, hadn't prepared for this. So I didn't know, uh, and I've learned a lot about both of you and your different experiences. And I think I know you a hell of a lot better now and what drives both of you, which is really interesting. And, and I'm sure there are people out there listening to this that will see part of themselves in each of you. And actually, that uh, that you've inspired a lot of people. So, oh, I hope and so. that's and that's really, really good. That's really, really good. So, thank you so much no, for thank coming. You. And uh, thank you all for listening. If you do like this, please do pass it on to others, and uh, don't forget to leave a rating or a review. As I said, I've got the rest of 2023 lined up from uh, some very interesting people from all walks of life. And I'm sure you'll be interested to hear their journeys and the paths that they have taken to get where they are today. This is the Pathfinder Podcast. May the path you take.